women on the wing. And he got one man down just being him. He wearing Gucci, so he Gucci. He got to know me, I'll drink and do it. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Fluid Football Podcast. I'm your co-host, Jacob Cohen. Back, as always, with my co-host, Avi Rajendra Nicolucci. Avi, so the Premier League just ended a couple days ago now. How are you feeling about Newcastle's season as a whole and, and the way things finished? Uh, yeah, it was a little, little bit of a rough to, uh, ending to the season. You know, lost our, uh, I think, last three games. Uh, you know, we had a little glimmer of hope there. You know, we scored early against Liverpool, but uh, we kind of came crashing down. But, I mean, you know, we finished... Uh, 13 same as last season uh you know we kind of got lucky if you look at the expected goals number and, and all that but you know you gotta give steve bruce credit i mean he's, he had a lot of turmoil at the club and you know a lot of doubters so you know i gotta give him credit for not getting relegated at least but hopefully we uh have bigger goals next season no i think uh so i, I know john joe shelby finished your leading scorer which is uh yeah, kind of fine six goals not great for a leading scorer but uh there's a lot of potential if you make the right signing at striker next year maybe just you know make adapt the squad to joe linton but either way i feel like you guys are in a, a fine position moving forward like I'd, I'd be excited if i were a newcastle fan yeah yeah it could be worse i mean we're gonna see what's i mean apparently uh there's another group who wants to buy a club uh an american businessman so i think i'd rather have him than, than the saudis to be honest but <laughs> um you know, yeah, I mean, th- there's a lot of promising players. You know, we have Almiron, obviously, St. Maximin. I mean, John Joe's his class. I think, you know, what I was thinking about today was, you know, I really wish Solomon Rondon had stayed because I think him, he would have been a great partnership, you know, with Joe Linton. I, I think Joe Linton mm-hmm. really thrives in that, you know, second striker, uh, you know, kind of support role. And, and, and Rondon would be able to do what he does best, which is hold the ball and, um, you know, just be a target man. So I would have liked to see that, um, you know, happen. But unfortunately, yeah. uh, that did not. Maybe it'll be back 2021. We'll see. Yeah, yeah but, when uh, Rafa comes back, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, you know, this episode is a very fun episode, I think. I had a lot of fun preparing for this one. We are doing the, uh, the Premier League Awards, Premier League Superlatives, whatever you want to call it. Uh, we have a, a bunch of categories where Avi and I have each selected a player or a team or, or you know, an answer to the category. And so, you know, with that, we're just going to dive right in uh, with you know, probably the, the most basic question, but Avi, who is your player of the season? Uh, yeah, this is, I think it's pretty obvious. I'm going to go with Kevin De Bruyne. Um, you know, he's just, it's pretty obvious, you know, when he's on his game, he's the best in the Premier League. And, you know, arguably, I mean, he, he could be, you know, one of the best in the world. Um, you know, he can, he can really do it all, um, which is impressive for, for a midfielder. I mean, he can, you know, he, he's the Premier League assist leader. I think he has 20 assists. You know, he tied Thierry Henry's record. Um, you know, he, he can, you know, strike a ball with the best of them. Uh, I'm not sure how many goals he had this season, but, you know, he was, he was a consistent goal threat. Um, and we saw it against Norwich. I mean, he was – he looked angry. He looked, I mean, he, he just looked kind of like he was just kind of playing around, but he scored two brilliant goals. And I think, you know, some people were saying, oh, he's, he's mad because the, the Football Writers Association gave the uh, Player of the Season award to Henderson. And, I think he was mad about that, and, and, and he has a right to be mad about that because, I mean, no offense, no offense to Jordan Henderson, but he hasn't done what, what De Bruyne has done this season. Fully agree. Hopefully we don't have too many, uh, you know, identical answers, but this, this yeah. one has to, it, it, at least from what we've talked about, it goes without saying, just because, you know, Jordan Henderson, you could say is the engine behind that Liverpool team. He's the captain, you know, he's, he's the man, he's getting deserved credit this season, but 
De Bruyne, to answer you know, your question, he had 13 goals and 20 assists, which is ridiculous. Um, you know, if you look at his profile on football slices and, and look at his statistics, his stats are off the charts. Um, you know, his, besides his goals and assists, the end product, his chance creation, he's a very progressive player. He's very rarely dispossessed. He's fantastic, and he is the best midfielder in the world right now. Um, if you haven't gotten to watch Kevin De Bruyne this season, then shame on you. Quick note before we move on to the next category. Thierry Henry's, you know, had held the record alone with 20 assists in 2002-2003. He also had 24 goals, which is insane if you think about yeah. it. 24 goals and 20 assists. We'll leave it at that. Thierry Henry, one of the goats. Yeah, uh, Henry, I mean, it's hard to appreciate because, I mean, at least I didn't really watch him growing up. But, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, he, you know, he just, very swaggy player, you know, very, uh, very cool. Absolutely. Uh, you know, next category, again, one of the few that we might have the same answer for, but manager of the season. Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Jurgen Klopp. I think this is another pretty uh, obvious answer. I think some people might try to, you know, overthink this one and, and go, you know, some people are trying to say Steve Bruce is manager of the season, which I think is giving him <laughs> a little too much credit. Uh, but no, I think Klopp, Klopp's done a great job. I mean, 99 points, that's, you know, I think second highest point total in the Premier League uh, of all time. And I mean, the after you know January, you know it was pretty obvious they're going to win the league. I think, uh, so yeah, they were they were, you know, incredible job at Liverpool or by by Klopp at Liverpool to um, I mean he's been there for four years. He promised a title and he got him home. Interesting. I went with Chris Wilder. I okay. gave honorable mention to Jurgen Klopp because uh, for I'll, I'll talk Klopp first. Like, you obviously can't overlook the champions any year, but you know, let alone a ninety-nine point season following a ninety-seven point season. That's, that's incredible. It's spectacular. Uh, but to be honest, Liverpool hasn't felt as dominant this season, even though they won the league by such a ridiculous margin. But, I mean, they've, they've scored fewer goals than they did last season. They've conceded like 12 more goals. They did find ways to win, though, um, which obviously you know, warrants the title. But, you know, when I talk Chris Wilder, it's, it's simply the fact that I mean, he's taken a team directly from the championship and finished ninth. And he challenged for top four up until probably, you know, the beginning of the restart. They, they crumbled a little bit. But nonetheless, I think you have to give him a ton of credit. The whole squad at Sheffield United is valued at like $130 million, which, you know, could maybe buy you Sadio Mane right now. Uh, so that's why I went with, with Chris Wilder. But I, Klopp's a good answer as well. I'm, I'm a little surprised, I have to say. I mean, I think, you know, he would have had a good argument if they'd finished in a, you know, Europe league spot, but I mean, finishing ninth, I mean, it's impressive. Obviously they were in contention for, you know, bigger stuff uh, early in the season, but I mean, ninth place, I mean, yeah, you got promoted, but I don't know. I have to disagree with you on that one. I think. Yeah. No, that's what this is all about. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. G- give me your, your team of the season plus manager. Okay, sure. So, I mean, I'll keep the same manager. I go with Klopp. Uh, but we'll start from the back um, at goalkeeper. I went with Dean Henderson. I was a little, little split. You know, I think Allison had a great season. Ederson had the most clean sheets actually at, at City. Um, but I thought Dean Henderson just, you know, he, he just, um, he was key to, to Sheffield and he was, you know, remarkably consistent. You know, Ederson had a, you know, a few, a few, you know, glaring errors during the season. You know, I thought Allison was, was good, but I, I don't know. Just Henderson just really stood out to me um, at Sheffield. Um, 
yeah, and I, I'll go to um, left back. I mean, I think we can, we're going to agree on three of these, you know, the defenders, you know, left back, Andy Robertson, center back, uh, Virgil van Dyke, and right back, Trent Alexander-Arnold. I think those are pretty much a given there in, in mm-hmm. almost everyone's Premier League, you know, team of the season. But, you know, the fourth center back or fourth defender, uh, you know, this was a tough choice. Um, you know, I, I was thinking Harry Maguire maybe. I mean, his contributions to United, you know, I mean, it's easy to make fun of him, but they, they uh, have 18 fewer goals of the season. You know, I think third, third least in the league. Um, so, so pretty impressive stuff there. But, you know, I thought Kaglar Soyenshu, um, you know, he was by far the most consistent, you know, center back um, that I, I thought outside of um, anyone on Liverpool. Um, you know, obviously Leicester, you know, kind of faltered down the stretch and he had, you know, a couple of rough games after the restart. But, you know, he, he put them in a position to, um, you know, qualify for Champions League. And, you know, he, he just, uh, you know, really had a breakout season and uh, it, was, it was very impressive. Yeah. Uh, before, before you move forward, I'm going to save us some time. I had the same back line, although I think a lot of people really? would give that back line. But so Yonchu, I mean, Maguire left for an absurd fee. and. You'd, you'd, you'd imagine there'd be a, a massive hole in the defense. And so Yonchu has just filled it perfectly. Uh, I don't have the numbers on me now, but but Leicester's defense looks stronger this year, if anything. And, yeah, they, they had and, 10 fewer goals than last season. Yeah, I mean, so so credit to Soyonchu. Soyonchu, for me, slots in there. And, and, yeah, and the other thing is uh, United spent, you know, another, what was it, 50 million and Aaron Wan-Bissaka. You know, they mm-hmm. spent 40 million on Lindelof. You know, it's not really a luxury that, you know, Soyuncu had at Leicester. He was mm-hmm. playing alongside West Morgan at times, Johnny Evans, who are, you know, fine pros, but, you know, not exactly uh, the type of player that United has. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, right. your... we'll, we'll go to my uh, midfield. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, you know, I, I toyed around with this a little bit. Uh, you know, at first I had Wilfred and Didi in there. But, you know, when I was looking at it, you know, I, I, there, I, just, I just couldn't leave out, you know, a couple players. So, I had a, you know, Jordan Henderson there, you know, had to put him in there. Um, you know, statistically, <laughs> I see you're, you're cringing there. Uh, <laughs> no, but like statistically, I mean, he's actually, you know, done, a, a, you know, created an incredible job this season. Um, you know, he doesn't, you know, score and assist, but if you look at the advanced stats, I mean, he really is the engine of that team. You know, he, he uh, you know, the, the, you know, Liverpool's, you know, main thing is, you know, getting the ball to the wings, you know, you know, having a, a solid uh, structure in midfield, and he does that perfectly. And also, you know, he's obviously the captain, the leader of the team. So, you know, I think he definitely has an argument to be in this in this squad. Um, from there, I went with De Bruyne. Also, you know, I already mentioned, you know, you know why he's so great. Uh, and then the third spot, you know, I was conflicted again. You know, I was looking at uh, Grealish, maybe even James Madison, uh, John Joe Shelby. I was just kidding. Uh, <laughs> no, but I ended up uh, settling on uh, Bruno Fernandez. You know, obviously, it's kind of a basic pick. You know, he's had a lot of penalty goals and all that. But, you know, his impact on United, you know, you can't, uh, you know, underestimate it. I mean, since since the rec- since the he joined, I believe, uh, I think they're s- second in the table to, to only City. Um, so, you know, very impressive stuff. Eight goals, seven assists since he's joined, which is as many as he had in, in Portugal, actually. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he, he's, he's the real deal. I think we, we've seen that, you know, he's really a creative force. And, I don't know if United need a Grealish now in the future. Um, so, you know, he's, he's really brought that buzz back to United that, that they've needed. Yeah, so first off, I cringed because I was worried we were going to have the same midfield. I okay. left out Bruno Fernandes. Uh, and it's simply because he, he, he's only played about 13, 14 matches. Right. Um, if it was a full season, if he kept up that production, 
he slots right in, possibly, you know, a very close second to De Bruyne. But I, I keep going back and forth on Bruno Fernandes because, first of all, I don't like United. Um, <laughs> but, but, you know, very early on, you could tell, like you mentioned, what an effect he had on the United team. He was the missing piece, it seemed. You have that, that front four with Pogba right behind going box to box, and it's just like, it's beautiful. And I think if United sign, you know, a new left back and maybe a new center back, I think that's a, a title challenging team. Um, and I think, you know, Fernandez has been huge. On the other hand, a lot of his goal contributions have been from set pieces. And that's why at the same time, you know, statistics, those statistics alone, I don't agree with them. But if you look right. at the bigger picture, yes, he does belong there. But yeah, I went with Jeff. There's definitely yeah. stat padding. Yeah. But yeah. I think his, his contributions went outside of that, too. Agree, agree. And, and so I, I went with De Bruyne, I went with Jordan Henderson, and I went with Jack Grealish. Um, you know, kind of like you mentioned, captain of the Aston Villa side. He's just been, he's been the hero. And, and you saw it perfectly representative on the final day as well with that brief moment of magic where, you know, he put, put Villa ahead, even though Yarmolenko scored right back, but put him ahead kept him in the Premier League for another season and, and we'll see if he sticks around but either way yeah, that, that he, he's was, had a great was, season uh, you couldn't write you know a better yeah I, I guess you could you know I guess you wouldn't have West Ham score but <laughs> you know that, that was just a great moment there <laughs> um, you know basically you know his his boyhood club he essentially uh, you know secures them pr- Premier League status for next season so mm-hmm. that, that was quite a moment there yeah no, I'm no, glad we didn't have three. identical midfields G- give me your front three this is going to be interesting <laughs> okay yeah <laughs> so the two wingers, I think, uh, um, you know, I went with uh, Sadio Mane and uh, Mohamed Salah. I think Mohamed Salah has gotten a lot of unfair criticism. Uh, you know, he, his numbers this season are, you know, really solid. Uh, you know, I forget how many goals he has uh, this season, but he has, I think, over 15 uh, again. And, and people are, you know, because obviously, you know, he had that, you know, great season. I, I think it was two seasons ago. And, you know, people are always going to compare it to that, which is obviously unrealistic. But, you know, he, he's still been, you know, a top winger. I think Raheem Sterling has an argument, um, but I just I just felt you know like Salah um, deserved this as well. And and a striker, um, you know, I was kind of going you know back and forth on this. Uh, I'm gonna go with Jamie Vardy though, Golden Boot winner. You know, can't can't argue against that. And and uh, yeah. So who did you end up with on your front yeah. three? So Mane, absolutely. I agree with Salah as well. I don't I don't like to have popular opinions. So, right. so for a while, does, I, was an, I was anti-Salah, okay? I was anti-Salah <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. for a while, up until halfway through this season, um, until people started getting on his case as well. His numbers don't lie. He had 29 goal contributions, 19 goals, 10 assists. Mane had 18 goals, 7 assists. Right. It and did there's this times, whole narrative, too, that, yeah. that Mane was having such a better season. It's like, That's yeah, Mane thing. had a great season, but it's like Salah's doing amazing things, too, and it's just like – People just kind of get these narratives. Oh, you know, Salah's not the, the guy this season. It's just like, well, that's just not true. <laughs> the ar- the argument is that you know Mane has scored arguably more important goals, but but either sure. way, I, I I don't know how much I agree with that. I haven't I haven't looked deeply enough into it, and you know I don't watch every Liverpool game. Um, right. But but anyway, at my striker, some uh, you know some bias here. I went with Pierre Emerick Aubameyang. <laughs> no, that's, who, that's completely who, fair. It is a fair, it is a fair shout. Almost uh, caught up to Jamie Vardy on the final day. He had two goals in the first half, uh, ended the season on 22. He's he's been the main man. He's been fantastic. Hopefully, he signs a new contract because you know we need him at Arsenal. 
uh, and and you know his numbers speak for themselves: twenty-two goals, three assists, and just yeah, another good season for Alba. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if uh, Arsenal's you know hierarchy mm-hmm. backs backs Arteta. I know Aubameyang's asking for a lot, uh, you know, a big big wage mm-hmm. increase. Uh, he, so. He's asking for almost as much as Ozil makes on the bench, right? Not, which is sorry, exactly bench, what they did not the want. The, what they don't want to do, exactly. That's so the thing. I don't, know, I don't know if you can pay a 30, 31 year old player that much money at this point. Yeah, I, I, we'll see. I mean, what what would you do? What would I do? Um, if I could sell him for for 40, 50 mil this summer, I would. Mm-hmm. Same might go for Lacazette, who's who's somewhat near the end of his contract. I think Martinelli's class. I think Pepe is going to be a top three winger next season, top five winger. I'll say just you can't. Yes, Mane, Salah, Sterling, top five. You've got Saka. You've got Reese Nelson, who hopefully gets some more time. I think, and and you could always make another purchase. I'm willing. I'm happy to get rid of Aubameyang. Wages have always been an issue. Yeah, I think financially, you know, it doesn't make sense to pay him that much. I mean, maybe on the field, like I'm sure Arteta would love to have him. And I think on the field, you know, it would be the smart decision. But, uh, yeah, financially, I'm not sure it's right. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, who did you have at, at keeper? They saw Dean Henderson as well. Oh, 13 okay, clean okay. sheets. He's, uh, he's been yep. a stud. And, and then yep. for my manager, you just named him, Mikel Arteta. Again, okay. we're throwing in some bias here. <laughs> you know, forget, forget the manager of the season conversation. Yeah, yeah. If Arteta, <laughs> if Arteta was here all season, we'd be top four. Okay. We'd, uh, you know, he'd be manager of the season. Yeah, uh, okay. we're, we're on the up. How about you? Interesting, interesting. Oh, yeah, you uh, said, you said, you, you yeah, said. I already well. said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All righty. Let's, let's get into the most improved player. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. crossing my fingers here. You haven't chosen mine. <laughs> I Go don't ahead. think I have. I think this is actually a little unorthodox. Um, you know, I, I was, you know, going through, you know, looking, looking at a lot of different players. Uh, I, I thought maybe Sayonchu. I thought, uh, you know, maybe Ndidi. I thought maybe Adama Traore. Maybe even Jamie Vardy. But when I looked at all those players' numbers, especially Vardy, um, you know, actually, I mean, if you look at the stats, like, especially, you know, his, his expected goals, you know, they were actually a little bit down. So he just, you know, maybe got a little lucky this year in terms of scoring. I think Soyuncu and Adama Traore, they just, they just didn't get enough chances last season. I think they truly, they had a talent there, but they were just kind of, you know, hiding, uh, you know, because they had just come to the club and, and all that. And I, I think Ndidi actually, you know, he, he played six fewer games this season, you know, maybe not quite as, as consistent due to injury. Um, so yeah, I think you know what I ended up with was uh, Marcus Rashford. I think he really took a a big leap this season, and that's something we've been you know waiting for him to to do for a while now. Everyone's been talking, you know, he's shown these flashes, but can he do it consistently? And and everyone was saying, you know, this season he's going to be healthy, he's going to do it, and you know, you know, all credit to him, he he really upped his game. I mean, this is a guy who's been playing at the top level for you know four or five seasons now, ever since he he broke into the team and. Um, you know, this season he has, you know, 17 goals, uh, you know, I think seven assists in, in the Premier League. Um, and, you know, he had 10 goals last season, I think six assists. So, you know, it was a big step up and, and you know, United needed him um, and he, he was there. So, you know, very consistent performer. And I think we really saw Rashford step up into that, you know, elite winger group, um, you know, this season. I like that pick a lot. And that, that whole United attack has just flourished, especially the second half of the season. But I, I think Rashford's a great pick. He's shown some maturity. You know, he's he's become more clinical, it seems. He's he's become more reliable. So I do like that a lot. Um, and I'm sorry to say, I went with Adama Traore. Okay. Although you grazed okay. over him. And and I, I hear what you're saying about maybe he just wasn't given the chances because, you know, he wasn't. But even back to his days at Middlesbrough, um, you know, I remember, I remember watching him and, and 
all that I all that I felt about him was that like this guy dribbles too much. And this guy, this guy, honestly, I remember watching. He dribbles too much. He's fast, but he dribbles too much. Um, you saw, you know, pictures at Barcelona when he's 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 all thin, and now he's just he's built. And you've seen those pictures of him. He claims he doesn't work out, but uh, he's he looks like a bodybuilder. Um, but anyway, you know, uh, you know, he lacked that end product it seemed in the past. And again, he's got more physical this year. And he's improved the final product. He had, he had nine assists this season, most of them to Raúl Jiménez. That trademark lofted cross, beautiful. But yeah, anyway, he had four goals as well. Funny enough, three of his four goals this season were against Manchester City in, in the two games in the Premier League. He had two in a 2 0 win and then one in a comeback, a 3 2 comeback. But anyway, you know, his price tag is absolutely skyrocketed, and, and Wolves could demand a pretty hefty fee for him if they wanted to right now. And I kind of think his season was similar to uh, Wilfred Zaha last year, uh, you know. Both, both obviously wingers, very technical, but you know you could say that this is kind of like the start for them. Well, last year's aha, this year Adama Traore. Yeah, I mean, I think Adama certainly has an argument. Um, yeah, I mean, I think he definitely has improved. And I, I was watching, you know, some highlights of some you know games in the past today, and uh, you know, I saw, I forgot, you know, United played at Wolves, and I think it was it was a one-one draw, but it was you know a great game, or maybe not one. I forget what the score was, but anyway. Uh, <laughs> you know, Adama Traore, you know, he, he, Phil Jones has the ball, he's dribbling backwards and he's showing the ball out of bounds and Traore just shoves him off the ball, <laughs> dribbles it towards the box and just crosses it to Jimenez who scores. And it was just like, it was an amazing moment. Of course, Phil Jones, you know, is the one who makes a mistake and, uh, you know, Traore just, you know, looks like a bulldozer and he just knocks people over. So that, that was very cool to see. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's keep going with the most improved team. Yeah, I, you know, I think this one was fairly obvious, I would have to say, um, at least from my perspective. Uh, you know, I went with Leicester City here, um, you know, finished ninth place uh, last season. Um, they finished fifth this season, probably should have secured Champions League. But, you know, they were, you know, pretty clearly, um, you know, third best team in, in the Premier League uh, behind, you know, City and Liverpool. And, and it was pretty clear, you know, for most of the season, that it, their collapse was, you know, pretty stunning. But, um, you know, just the way they play, too. It wasn't just the results they were getting. I mean, you know, Re- Brendan Rodgers, you know, p- possession-based football. You know, they played, you know, so well. And they really had an identity. They knew who they were. Um, and, you know, they were just a joy to watch. So it's unfortunate to see how they kind of, you know, went in a tailspin there. But, you know, you can't, um, you know, Europa League football is not bad for, for a club like Leicester City. So I think it's easy. You know, people are going to kind of remember the season as, you know, with a bad bad taste in their mouth because, you know, how it ended. But you, you got to give Rodgers a lot of credit here. That's very fair. I think, again, you know, when I first think of Leicester, I can't help but think of that. You know, they bottled a 15 or so point lead on Manchester United before the restart or, you know, a little before the restart. But you are right. A lot of players have, have surfaced this season at Leicester. Um, and, it, and it has been a success. And, and they're, they're still building, too. I mean, this is not like we've seen the peak and it's not like they're going to sell all their players. Like, this is... There's so you know, many young players. This, this is in progress. So... It'll be interesting yeah. to see how they come back next year. How they perform in the Europa League as well will be important. Um, right. because, you know, it, it would be nice to see them performing outside of England too. Yeah, that'll be fun so, to watch. So for this one, I I went with Southampton. Uh, interesting. And I don't necessarily mean from last season to this season in, entirely. Although last season Southampton finished 16th 
with 39 points this season. They finished 11th with 52, which is great. But I mean, they were the most improved team, particularly like the second half of the season. Uh, you know, this final portion, especially. Right. And an interesting, you know, statistic. Leicester beat Southampton in late October 9-0, okay? 9-0. I don't know if I've ever seen a scoreline so high before in my life. That was actually um, ridiculous. Since then, out of a possible 93 points, Southampton have earned 50, meaning that they've averaged nearly two points per game, which is very impressive for a supposed mid-table side, low mid-table side, you know, two points per game almost. They beat Leicester, they beat Spurs, they beat Chelsea, they beat City, they beat Sheffield. That's impressive. They drew Wolves, Arsenal, and Manchester United. They've gotten points against almost all of the big teams in the league, um, which, which people don't appreciate enough, I think. I think, you know, things really came together. They conceded fewer goals. Um, again, the second half of the season, they conceded 20. So, I'm sorry. So, first 13 games of the season, Southampton conceded 31 goals. In the first 13 games, in the sec, in the final 25 games, they only conceded 29. It's wow. a, a massive improvement. And then obviously Danny Ings has just been superb, nearly winning the Golden Boot himself. Yeah, I, I, Ralph Hasenhutl, you know, has really you know imposed his philosophy. They have that 4-4-2 pressing system, and it's been it's been great to watch. I think you know next season they are going to be uh, you know someone challenging for for Europe League spots. Uh, which which will be fun to watch. I think Southampton, you know, has their identity. They're looking good. Um, so yeah, I would say watch out. I mean, that's that's an incredible stat. And I think when Hasanu came in last season, I was a little like, I questioned a little bit. I mean, he's just kind of a he. You know, he's very bombastic. I would say you know he's a very emotional guy, but he clearly knows what he's doing. You know, on the pitch. Um, so yeah, Danny Ings. Uh, you know, had a great season this this year and. Southampton always have, you know, great academy products and, and mm-hmm. great signings. So yeah. the team we'll watch we'll next season. We'll see if they make a couple of signings this summer, but agreed. Uh, looking forward to, to watching them next season. Yeah. All right. Uh, we got a few more here. Let's go with the signing of the season. Yeah. So this was tough. Uh, you know, I wanted to go with my, my guy, uh, St. Maximin. I had to realize though that, you know, Bruno Fernandez probably, probably had more of a significant contribution to, uh, to the squad. So, you know, I went with Bruno Fernandez, but, you know, very honorable mention to Alan St. Maximin. Uh, you know, I think prior to January, I think he was assigning the season. Um, so, you know, for all of Newcastle's hierarchy issues, you know, behind the scenes, this is one they really, you know, knocked out of the park um, because, you know, even if he does leave, he's going to cost a lot of money. So, but, but yeah, Bruno Fernandez, you know, great player. We, we've been through that. We, we've gone through <laughs> Again, same thing. I, 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 went, I wanted to go with the signing that's been here all season. Although, again, Bruno still probably takes signing of the season in the grand scheme of things, statistically as well. But I went with St. Maximin. Uh, he, really, he only had you know, three goals, four assists this season, which isn't much considering you know, the hype that he's been getting. But he only cost Newcastle you know, a little less than $20 million. Great price and great value for that. And he's been the diff- he's been a, a real difference maker for Newcastle. Deservedly one player of the season for the club. Um, you know, brilliant on the ball and obviously a real character off the pitch. He is the you know, as you know, the subject of our uh, you know intro and conclusion soundtrack on the podcast. But uh, 
you know, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna give a couple of my honorable mentions as well because I, I had a I had a handful that I wanted to choose from. So, you know, first of all, Raul Jimenez and Danny Ings both made their loans permanent this year, so I, I didn't want to count those, didn't want to include those, but had to get that out there. And then, you know, actual honorable mentions: Dean Henderson, who was a loan signing, Aaron Juan Bissaka, and Neil Mope, simply because he was bought by Brighton for a very low price. He was bought for, I'm sorry, for $24 million. Not that low, but 10 goals. It's pretty good signing for, for, for Brighton. Yeah, I mean, St. Maximin, you know, Newcastle win, you know, something like, I want to say, you know, it's, it's greater than, it's something around two points a game when, when he plays. And he's dealt with some injury problems this season, but when he doesn't play, Newcastle are really bad. Uh, so <laughs> I think we have one win without him. So, oh, wow. you know, his, his importance, you know, can't be overstated. So if you're going to be the most valuable player, you know, he might be, he might be up there too. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But yeah, let's, let's get into a biggest flop. I think this is even more entertaining. Um, yeah. Who was your biggest flop? So for, for a lot of these categories, I've been trying to avoid goalkeepers because they're not as exciting, but I decided to go with Kepa Ariza Balaga simply because he cost 88 million, most expensive goalkeeper of all time. And that price tag just demands a higher quality. And he's not even making errors leading to goals. He just has been a very poor shot stopper, which is the first priority of the goalkeeper, right? So right. I'm going to, you know, I, some of, one of his stats, the like goals saved above average percentage um, is the worst in the Premier League among goalkeepers, which basically means that if every other goalkeeper in the league faced all of the same exact shots that Kepa faced this season, they all would have conceded fewer goals than Kepa based on, on, on their ratings as well. He had fewer clean sheets than Ben Foster, who played goalkeeper for a relegated Watford. He was benched this season, uh, despite being the most expensive goalkeeper at all time, of all time. Uh, and again, like miraculously, Chelsea made the top four, uh, but Kepa's the hot topic and, and they need a new goalkeeper. and They'll be lucky if they get half of what they paid for him if they were to sell him right now. Yeah, it's it's kind of been. Um, I mean, ever since he came, you know, he had that whole incident with Sari, you know, last season. Uh, you know, he's never lived up to his billing, which I mean, it's hard to do as a goalkeeper, I guess, when you pay that much money. But yeah, he's been disappointing to say the least. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I limited my my flops to uh, you know this season signings, but um, you know, I, I I was a little bit conflicted. Uh, you know, I was thinking, you know, my first thought was Joe Linton. The other one I was, you know, considering was actually Ndombele, Tangi Ndombele. Yeah. Um, you know, Ndombele, I mean, I don't think he's a flop, but I think Mourinho does. <laughs> and I think uh, considering the fact that they paid $66 million for him and he often doesn't make the squad, I think that's, you know, pretty concerning. But, you know, I think he still has had a more impressive season than Joe Linton. Uh, Joe Linton, you know, <laughs> paid 40, I think 40 million pounds. So that's more in, in dollars. So something closer to $50 million. Uh, and he, he scored two Premier League goals this season. Uh, you know, it's not like he hasn't been getting chances either. He played in every single Newcastle game this season. <laughs> <laughs> so he's had plenty of minutes. Uh, it's not entirely his fault. It's not his fault. I'd say the majority of his fault. Oh, the fault goes on out of people running the club, maybe. You know, he's not really an, an announced. He's not, a you know, a true number nine. You know, supposedly maybe he could be in the future. You know, the service at times was abysmal behind him. So I, I don't necessarily blame him, but he has missed, you know, a lot of big chances this season as well. Uh, so a lot of blame to go around. But, yeah, it's been a, it's been a tough season for, for him. I didn't realize he played <laughs> in every match. That's absurd. Yeah. 
one, one, before we go to the next one, one, one more player that, that came to mind just in terms of a disappointment, not a new signing, but just a player who had a relatively disappointing season was Wilfred Zaha. Yeah, uh, I was I was pretty let down by him this season. I was excited. I you know Crystal Palace asked Arsenal for eighty million last summer. You know you'd think he'd be uh, performing at the highest level, but it just dropped off production wise. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm actually I think I'm going to write an article about this about how uh, Crystal Palace should have sold them last summer and mm-hmm. why they need to sell them this summer because I mean his value is just dropping now. I mean he's already twenty eight years old I think, and his I mean he has really bad numbers this season. I think he has mm-hmm. less than five goals. Uh, yeah. And, and, and less than five goals and, and less than five assists also. Four goals, three assists. Uh, and play, again, yeah, played every exactly. match this season. Yeah, so it's been pretty abysmal. Um, and he wants to leave, but I don't know who's going to take him. And I think his wage demands might be pretty high too. So this is – it's a tough situation, I think, for Crystal Palace mm-hmm. uh, and for Zaha. Another kind of, you know, under the radar kind of, you know, slow season, I'd say, which Rodri, I mean, he didn't have a bad season, but, you know, he, I mean, you know, City paid a lot of money for him. And, you know, it seems like he's kind of coming to his own, but it definitely took longer than, than I would expect. But, I mean, you know, the transition, transition to the Premier League obviously is, is difficult. So We're going to need a full season of Rodri before, uh, at, at center, you know, a full season without Fernandinho because Fernandinho is still, you know, active and still the first choice, I think. So maybe when Fernandinho leaves, he'll get he'll get more time, uh, and and maybe you know fulfill that price tag. But I I agree, uh, uh, underperforming a bit for sure. Uh, all right, a couple more. What Actually, is? I want to talk about one more. Oh, one more. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, it's kind of funny how um, you know City they they traded Danilo to Juventus for um, Cancelo, and Cancelo doesn't play much at all. And I mean he was basically. The, it was pretty, you know, uh, you know, widely held that he was, you know, one of the best right backs in the world at the time at Juventus. And now he can't really break into a team behind Kyle Walker. I mean, Kyle Walker's great, but uh, it's a little surprising. It's a, again, a weird move from City. Um, you know, going all in on Cancelo and then not playing him. I agree. But, yeah. well, the thing is, like, I, I wouldn't necessarily be looking for a replacement for Walker in the first place. Uh, yeah, yeah but, I mean but, that's that's the luxury they have though. So exactly, I think it's it a weird move by Juventus. That's true as well. Well, good thing they got Arthur out of it all. Yeah, <laughs> true. I heard uh, Arthur. Um, he doesn't want to play for for Barca the rest of the season, so he's trying to negotiate a really a release actually. So yeah, that'll that. be interesting that's, to keep keep our eyes on that. Doesn't want to play Champions League. Yeah, he does not. Yep, kind yeah. of falling out, I guess. That's what happens when uh, your club sells you. So, yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, let's let's get into our last few categories here. Uh, game of the season, Jacob. Who who? What was your game of the season? Yeah, I started started to touch on this earlier on. I I tried to stop myself, but Wolves beat Manchester City three two in December. Uh, <laughs> same I'm one. Worried. I got the yep, same one. <laughs> you picked the same one. Okay. So you know, let's discuss. You know, first of all, I think we both agree we'll avoid talking about Arsenal beating Newcastle four 0 We'll we'll avoid that. We'll avoid that, right? Uh, But anyway, talk about (laughs) (laughs) it was a Wolves. It was the second time Wolves beat City this season, um, which is cool. But you know, this match in particular really showed that Wolves were a force to be reckoned with. It was a very entertaining game. You had Ederson sent off really early, but still, two goals from City. Sterling scored both, I think, had them up two nil, like fifty-five, sixty minutes in. 
and and Wolves just mounted this terrific comeback. Traore, Raul Jimenez, and then uh, Doherty scored in the 90th minute. And the best part about this game was just like after Doherty scored, just the passion that you could tell Wolves was feeling. Um, you see Jimenez fall to the ground, just like you know, pointing up, just just everyone mobbing Doherty besides Jimenez, who's on the ground. But uh, a great match and, and a, you know, great scenes there. Yeah, what made that match wild was Ederson got sent off really early. And then City went on and scored two goals. And what was even crazier was the first goal, it was a penalty. Uh, Raheem Sterling got his penalty saved, but then they ruled that Henderson was off his line. Mm-hmm. He takes the penalty, saves it again, and Raheem Sterling scores a rebound. And yeah. so, of course, you know, Wolves fans are just losing their minds. They're already, you know, just <laughs> already just, you know, very, very angry. Sterling, I think in the second half, he scores against a run of play kind of, you know, on a counterattack, a beautiful chip. They're up 2-0. It's not looking good. But like you said, just an incredible comeback. Uh, you know, Triari, uh, he scored a screamer in there. Uh, I think Jimenez scored. And, then, yeah, obviously, Darkerty. That was great. And, you know, what were you going to say? You know, very similar to, uh, you know, the goal that, you know, Traore knocked off Phil Jones. He knocked off Benjamin Mendy so easily, right. sent Mendy yep. flying, and then played a very, you know, cheeky ball across the box, him and as it has happened. Yep. Yeah, yeah, that, that was great. I, I was looking through some other games, too, that I had forgotten about. Um, you know, Norwich beat Manchester City early on in September, 3-2. to two. I watched the highlight. That was a great game, too. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, that was back when uh, Timu Puki was uh, – you know, goal boot contender. And <laughs> he, he scored nine goals. of his 11 goals in the first half of the season. He scored, <laughs> and the other two were like match weeks like 21 and 22 or something. Like he hasn't scored, and he, he plays won every Premier match. Player of the month. He won Player of the yeah. month. He oh, had a hat trick against Newcastle. I, he's, oh, he he could he would have won the Golden Boot if he kept it up. The streets but. will never forget Timo Pulisic <laughs> in the first half of the nah, season. For real, for real. <laughs> and uh, other games, you know, Liverpool beat City, obviously, in November. That was that was a great game. Fabinho had a great strike. Um, Liverpool beat, beat Everton 5-2. That was, that was an interesting game, you know, really back and forth. Uh, my last honorable mention, I think, oh, yeah, Sheffield United 3, Manchester United 3. This was, oh, you know, yeah, I would say, was, oh, yeah. yeah so, so Sheffield United went up 2-0. Uh, then Manchester United came back with three straight goals. Marcus Rashford scored what seemed to be the winner. In you know late late I think it was in the you know eighty fifth eighty sixth minute or something like that, uh, you know he's sliding he's going crazy. United you know fans are thinking oh here we go it's just like the Alex Ferguson years, and then uh, you know kind of a late scramble at the at the goal mouth uh, De Gea deflects the ball in and uh, the, the the Sheffield crowd was incredible that night. I mean they were you know you could just see you know, the passion that that's what one of my favorite things is when you know a smaller club you know hosts um, you know a top six club like United. You know the fans just show out, and, and it's just a, a massive uh, occasion. So, you know those kind of games are, are some of my favorite. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. So uh, we'll go on to uh, individual goal of the season here. Uh, what do you got, Jacob? Yeah. So, man, it was it was fun looking back on all these goals. There a lot of things you forget about. I mean, half of these are a literal year ago. Um, but at the end of the day, I went with Youngman Son's solo goal. Uh, against Aston Villa back in December, won the goal of the month. But you know, Son picks up the goal, picks up the ball at the edge of, of his own box, and beats nearly the entire entire Villa team with you know a combination of skill and just outright pace. And you know, yeah, you know, at one point he has like five people around him all trying to grab him, and then he slots it past the keeper. Um, just a brilliant solo goal. 
Yeah, that, that was that was great. I actually kind of forgot about that one. Uh, I went with um, Kevin De Bruyne's goal against Newcastle. Uh, you know, he I think the ball was bouncing. He he got on his chest and then he volleyed it <laughs> off right balance, far down. That was insane. Uh, honorable mention. Uh, Ruben Neves against uh, Manchester United. He had, he had a bar down uh, shot there. That was great. And then also, um, oh yeah, it was Andre Ayew, Crystal Palace against West Ham. He scored this you know brilliant Maisie run that was so unlike Andre Ayew. If you ever watched him, so you know that that was great. And you know Selhurst Park was going crazy. But yeah, t- Kevin De Bruyne picks up uh, another award here. Agree. Uh, another some more silverware for De Bruyne. We'll have him, we'll have him <laughs> yeah. pick it up. We'll have him pick it up. But. <laughs> I, yeah, my honorable mention again. Was, my honorable mention was Jordan Ayew, just like a disgusting combination of, of of skills in a tight space, and then and then the dink over the keeper is just like yeah, very very pleasing to watch, very pleasing. It was so unlike Crystal Palace. So unlike <laughs> Crystal Palace. <laughs> so much class. There. Roy Hodgson, Roy Hodgson was probably like, "What is he doing?" <laughs> <laughs> He's spinning in circles. Yeah. <laughs> All right, oh, fi- yeah. final final category, final award. Your, what's your funniest moment of the season? Yeah, so I thought about this award uh, just because I just saw a video. Um, Troy Deeney, the, the the interviewer after the game, you know, Rawford always got relegated. <laughs> the interviewer was like, uh, this might be your final game for Rawford. And Deeney's like, yeah. And the interviewer is like, um, this, could this be your final game ever? And Troy Deeney's response was, I'm not that old, you cheeky bastard. <laughs> 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 it was so classy. Troy, Troy Dini has some great interviews and some not so great ones, but that that, that was hilarious. <laughs> yeah. What, what did you have? So yeah, so so this moment, yeah, it's funny to some people, not funny to other people. It's funny to me now. Um, but Sheffield United versus Aston Villa. Sheffield United has a set piece, and the ball somehow crosses the line. But because of the camera angles and because of where the defenders were standing, blocking the view of the ball, VAR couldn't overturn the no-goal decision. So it did not count as a goal. The game ended in a nil-nil draw. Aston Villa, at the end of the season, stay up, are not relegated by one point, which you can now go back and credit, arguably, to this, you know, chaotic scene. And again, I I don't know if it's so funny, but, you know, I, I don't think, you know, Certain fans. I don't, think, I don't, I don't think. I don't think Bournemouth fans think that's funny because I think they would have uh, stayed up had that not happened. So that is that is tough. Um, yeah, I can't imagine you know going down because of that. So uh, you know, hopefully they get that fixed. I saw, saw a funny tweet. It was like you know, imagine being relegated because someone forgot to turn on the camera that day. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, that so oh cool. my goodness. Yeah. That is so cool. Yeah. Well, wow. Okay. That we we just bang those out. Um, those, so those are the superlatives. That was that was a lot of fun. Yeah, that that was um, you know kind of a basic episode, but I think you know one that had to be done. Uh, had and, to be done. Uh, it's always it's always fun, you know, putting together you know team of the season and, and all that. Um, yeah, I think we're we're gonna post these and on Twitter, mm-hmm. and you guys can and let us know. Um, yeah, so you know, coming up actually, I think later in the week uh, we might have a, a special guest, uh, you know, collegiate soccer player. So you know, stay tuned for that. Um, but yeah, Jake, you got anything else? No other thoughts other than uh, you know Arsenal will be taking home the FA Cup on August first. Oh yeah, up up the Gooners! <laughs> Come on! All right, uh, yes. Yeah, so you know, thank you everyone for listening. Uh, you know, 
all of our, our dedicated listeners, you know, I know there's do- dozens of you out there. Uh, we're, we're grateful that you listen to us. Uh, but yeah, you know, follow us on, on um, Spotify, subscribe to us on uh, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you hear podcasts. Uh, follow us on Twitter, and uh, we will see you next time. Shane Maximin, underwing, and you got two men done just being him. They wearing Gucci, so ain't Gucci, because you know.